Uh, we're back again with equipping leaders, uh, ready responders to rescue. Um, and we're very excited because uh, we feel like God is up to something really special um, and he's preparing us. One of the things that he, he put on my heart, I want to share that with everybody is a, uh, an article called Be Ready. I left it over there on the table, that right there. You can take that and pass it around. I didn't write this article, but I made some comments at the end. When you, whenever you talk about the subject of the wise and the foolish virgins, many of us are familiar with yes. that. With that, and uh, and the context of it was, Jesus' disciples were asking about how they would recognize the end times, the end of the age, and all of that. And um, I have always wondered. In fact, I did for many years. I wondered what was what was that parable really about? Uh, I won't say what it was about, but I want to understand the cultural context of this particular parable because it talks about the lamps and the oil and I've heard many sermons and everything about the lamps and oil and all of that and it turns out that the word for lamp was actually torch <laughs> it wasn't a lantern with oil in it with a wick it was mainly they was talking about a torch and it was a torch it was a torch cer torchlight ceremony that they were actually engaging in and uh, and I'm just going to just, let's just read it from, the, it was, this is an article written by Robert uh, Deffenbaugh, they call him Bob, I guess, and he's, the, he's a pastor, and he wrote this article, he paraphrases the story so that we could really get the context um, and really understand what Jesus was saying. So let's, he says, let's seek to paraphrase the story, and I'll just read right from his uh, article. Um, he says, there was a wedding to which ten young virgins were invited as participants. It would seem that in some way they were instructed to bring lamps so that at the right time they would form or lead some kind of torchlight procession. All ten virgins brought their lamps, but only five brought the necessary oil as well. They all waited for the groom to arrive. Time passed and darkness set in. The groom tarried longer than expected, so all ten bridesmaids or virgins slept until he arrived. Suddenly, at midnight, someone cried out that the groom was approaching. All ten virgins were awakened by this cry, and they began to prepare their lamps for a ceremonial service. Uh, the need for these lamps is now particularly obvious. It is midnight. It's pitch dark. <laughs> the five foolish virgins asked the five wise virgins to share their oil but the request is denied. It wasn't that the five wise virgins didn't care. It was because there would not be enough oil for all ten lamps or torches. Better to have a torchlight parade with five working lamps than with ten non-functioning lightless lamps. It helps you to get it in perspective, doesn't it? The foolish virgins were told to go purchase their own oil, which they did. But during their absence, the torchlight parade took place, and the groom, accompanied by the five wise virgins, entered the celebration hall. The doors were then closed. Later, the five foolish virgins arrived with oil, but it was too late. That part of the festivities had already been completed. There was no need for the services of these five virgins, and they were not allowed to enter and join in the wedding celebration. Even though the five virgins pled, Lord, Lord, they were sent away with the words, I do not know you. Our Lord then concludes this parable by applying it to disciples. 
and thus the church. He urges his disciples to stay alert because they too do not know the day or the hour of his return. As we consider the interpretation and application of this parable, we should begin by observing that it is but one of several parables in this discourse. Jesus was giving them several parables to talk about being prepared. All of the parables have to do with what we do and do not know about the coming of Christ at the end of the age. Jesus assures us that we should be able to discern the season, the general time frame of his return. That's from Matthew 24. But while we may not know the season within the span of a generation, but while we may know, thank you, while we may know the season within the span of a generation, we cannot and will not know the day nor the hour of his return. Because we do not know precisely when he will return, we must be constantly in a state of alertness. We must be ready. This parable is about being ready. It highlights one aspect of what it means to be ready. And I added my comments, and that's what I want to get into tonight as we dive into this next aspect of being a ready responder. Uh, and I have used this parable to talk about the kingdom mindset of being ready for your once-in-a-lifetime moment. Because that's what it was for these virgins. It was a once-in-a-lifetime moment, a moment that will never come again. And that's, um, that's the kind of mindset we must have as leaders and as ready responders to be prepared. Uh, I know that, for instance, with first responders, not only did they have to go through the training and preparation to become a first responder, but they are constantly going through training and preparation because things change, times change, equipment changes, procedures change. Uh, so they are constantly getting prepared and they're always in a state of alertness. Since we've been living here in Harrisburg, I've come across many, many leaders uh, that are not willing to buy the oil, but pay the price for, the uh, That's what for what you, for what God has called us to do. You've got to be willing to do this and, and not be scrambling, looking toward uh, other pastors and other leaders to give you what you need when your moment comes because I can't all of us in this room know the frustration of having someone ask you to tell them the answer to this tell them the answer for that and even though you tell them the answer they don't have any way of appreciating what you're telling them because they didn't walk through the 10 15 20 year lesson and suffering and journey that you went through to give them this 10 minute answer <laughs> you give them the answer in 10 minutes but they don't have any idea of the weight of what you're trying to explain to them why because they didn't purchase this they didn't buy this they didn't invest in this and so now let's turn to you and saying well I don't have enough the moment has come for me and can you give me some of your oil I'm like no I would like to be able to, but I can't. You, there is no way in the world you would even understand what I'm telling you. So you've got to do what these virgins told the foolish one. You got to go into town and buy your own because it's when you lay down your investment into it that you come to appreciate why we was ready ahead of time. 
<laughs> you don't understand that. There are just certain things you don't understand. So I've seen, uh, so I, that's why I have the statement, never step into a new season unprepared. Never take shortcuts. I've seen lots of people trying to take shortcuts and have been even given shortcuts. Um, we're, we're working with the leader right now who made the mistake of elevating and exalting uh, some of his people way before they were ready. Way before you're, they were ready. Uh, you give them the shortcuts and then they cannot handle they cannot handle the weight of, that comes with that. They shipwreck. I, they shipwreck. And I likened it to, I'm not a bodybuilder, but I'm told by those who are, <laughs> that you have to work your way up to heavier and heavier weights. You don't just the first time you start lifting weights, pick up 300 pounds. If you do, somebody going to be hurt <laughs> and hurt bad <laughs> trying to do that. You haven't built up to that point to be able to handle that. That's what happens when we give out titles and ordinations and positions to people. You're handing 300 pounds to some 98 pound weekly. And telling them, you can do it. In the name of Jesus, you can do it. God's anointing is on you. His word is in you. Here. <laughs> and all of your imaginations you saw, the weights fall, right? <laughs> Rather than going through, yes, with them being sometimes angry with you for not giving it to them ahead of time, frustrated with you misunderstanding you, uh, I really don't like you right now, uh, misjudging you, even thinking that you are jealous, jealous of them and their anointing. Right. Yes. Like, no, I'm just simply telling you, you're not ready for this I'm, yet. I'm trying to save your life. I'm trying right to save now. your life. You've got to build up to the place where you can carry this weight. You really do. And I don't determine even when you're ready. The Lord does. That's right. Yeah, because only he knows he only only he knew that he had been building us up for the amount of years that he did for us to be able to handle the weight of being youth pastors. Mm -hmm. And then he used all of those years to build us up to the point of being senior pastors. Isn't that something how God does? And so when you got somebody who just got saved, wants to immediately step up into being a senior pastor, ain't served built up no muscles for nothing. And you think just because you saw your pastor, they lifted, because some people are so good in ministry, they make it look easy. Because they're so good at it and they've been built up in it for so long, it looks so easy. And they look at you and they go, oh, dude, you just flow and I can do that. It's like all of us who watch professional sports. We see those guys playing baseball and basketball and all that stuff. And we go, hey, I can do that. Especially baseball. Baseball really looks easy. You know, I can stand up there with a stick and hit a ball until you stand up there and a hundred mile per hour pitch, pitch goes past you. And the only thing you did was heard it because <laughs> you certainly didn't see it. <laughs> The story is told as one baseball player, he's a rookie, and he uh, first time they're facing that level of uh, of, uh, of a pitch, a professional pitching, 
And so the first pitch comes in and he hears it go by and the umpire says, strike. And so he turns to the umpire and says, well, it sounded high to me. Because <laughs> I certainly didn't see it, but it sounded like it was high. <laughs> and that's how it can be in the things of God for us, though, that uh, we step into levels that we're not prepared for. But here's the worst part. We get upset with those who God is using to prepare us for it because we feel like we're ready for something that we're not. Uh, so not only do you have the case of not not being willing to uh, to really do this, to really go and purchase the oil, but you have those who place people in positions who haven't purchased the oil. Mm -hmm. They haven't. Wow. And so then our third statement was, don't expect others to provide for you what you were supposed to provide for yourself. And by that, I mean, for, for instance, what we're doing now, taking the time to actually get trained and prepared. It's always baffled me as to why so many people uh, within the Christian world feel like they can jump out into this uh, very professional because it's a profession it's a calling but it's also a profession to be in ministry but you know if somebody told them you got to go and get some training and preparation you know to be an attorney to be a doctor to be a first responder to be like sure fine you know what whatever it is you know when you go to the school what's the tuition what does it cost you know how much is the training to get that? Mm -hmm. Even and how long? And how is long is it going to take? How long is the training? So we find out that it's going to be four years to get this degree, another two years to get a master's, another two or three years to get a doctorate. Go okay, it'll be seven years, eight years, ten years. Okay, fine. And you set yourself up and get ready. Okay, I'm going to prepare it. I'm going to pay the price, get the money, spend in the time, the energy, the effort, and everything to get it. But when it comes to ministry, we go, well, I don't need all that. I'm like the Apostle Paul. I don't need no man to tell me nothing. Like, really? <laughs> Failing to understand that the Apostle Paul was an extremely learned man. He tells us his story. He says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Of, 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 he was a Pharisee. And I knew the law. I could keep all 600 plus laws. I knew this whole thing backwards and forward. I was the best of the best. So the reason why I had to go away in Arabia for three years with the Lord was so that God could get me straightened out, re-educated in on. an education that I already had. To get the right To get the right perspective. To be retrained in a training that I already received. had. Yeah, I've already received it. Well, not just somebody that got saved and a couple of years later, well, I don't need no man to tell me nothing. I'm like the <laughs> Apostle Paul, like, excuse me, no. <laughs> Now, all of us just think about it. How many of you would want a dentist working on your mouth who ain't heard from no man? No, that's not going to happen. I don't need no man to tell me nothing. <laughs> okay. Now, am I saying that everybody's got to go to a four-year university, go to a seminary and all of that? No, but we at least have to be willing to make the investment of time and money yes. and energy yes. and study yes. 
to get the word of God in us and learn how to treat God's people, how to walk in this thing the right way. I love when Pastor Madeline said so many times, she said, I wanted to do this the right way. And this is part of the right way. The right way is getting your oil. Making the investment to get your oil so that when the torch ceremony begins, when the once in a lifetime moment starts, I am ready and I'm not scrambling asking somebody else for their oil, nor am I running now trying to get what I should have gotten and could have gotten long before this moment. Because obviously all 10 virgins knew, had received the invitation, everybody had time to prepare. Everybody had time to prepare. It wasn't like it suddenly sprung up on them. (laughs) We're all here. But some had some oil and some didn't. And that can tell you something about, and there are many, unfortunately, it's just really true. There are many who've got torches with no oil. They have not there, which means they look like they're ready, but they are not. They got the look, but they're not. And you'll find out when the once-in-a-lifetime moment hits them. And many times, I believe many of us have lifetime, once-in-a-lifetime moments that come. Uh, we don't make it always known that it, to everybody that it has come. Because especially when you miss it, you don't want nobody to know that I missed it. <laughs> it came, but I missed it. <laughs> I was not ready. I was not prepared. <laughs> now I want to point to the part of the parable. <laughs> Where the five foolish virgins did not bring any oil and ask for oil from those who were prepared. I've already gotten ahead of myself, but I I still want to make these points. Mm -hmm. When the crucial moment comes, I cannot give you what I worked for, what I paid for, what I suffered for, and invested my entire life to obtain. We just can't. I probably put in parentheses for yourself, even if you wanted to. I couldn't do it even if I wanted to. I still couldn't. Whatever I told you, it won't mean nothing to you. It won't mean anything. I've heard all of the stories before my wife had our first child about childbirth. And and we even went through the Lamaze class and all that kind of stuff. But when the first real pain hit my wife and I and the look that came in her face and she looked at me uh, with a look I cannot put into words to this day. <laughs> this was beyond the Braxton Hicks contractions, beyond the discomfort, but the first real pain. And my wife just broke out instantly into sweat, not not perspiration. Sweat. <laughs> and the look of just absolute, I don't know what nobody told me it was like this. I didn't have no clue. And it, she and it, it all went through me. She looked at me like, oh, my God. Pure terror. Yeah. That's what it was. It was pure terror. Pure terror. Yes. yes. Now, if as much as she would could try to explain that to another young girl who's never had a baby before, all, all y'all like, I can't. It's funny. I, I remember on the Cosby show, Claire Hoxtable tried to describe it as somebody taking your bottom lip and pulling it up over you. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was really 
Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. But there's some things like my my point is no matter how much you try to explain it, yeah. unless you've been through it yourself, there is no there is no, there is no pain. That's and right. and as a man, no even though I observed it, yeah. even though I was looking at it, right. I can't touch that. That's why I shared my point. After even after looking at it. It's still, it's a shared experience that I can share with other men about what your wife is going to go through. So that's the only way I can share it with another man is that to have him prepared, there's that word, prepared for what your wife is going to go through. Because I've been through that. But even as I'm explaining to another guy, they probably, you know, a lot of us thinking, oh, I can hang with it. I'll be, I'll be able to hang with my wife. Yeah, when the pains hit her, yeah, I'll be able to do yeah, go. Yeah, that that was just you, Pastor Chris. You just that's how it would. That's how it affected you. I'm like, okay, but you just wait until you see that look coming from your wife. <laughs> then you'll know. And same thing for Carol when she's trying to explain to another woman. You won't know until you know. It'd be like Stevie Wonder's song. You will know. Okay, stop it. <laughs> Okay, there I go again. I told y'all I was back. I'm back. <laughs> All right, next point. The foolish virgins had to go and buy what they should have already purchased way ahead of time. Um, and I bring this up, and this not only address those of you in the Harrisburg region that are watching this and going to hear this maybe on an audio sometime. But and when I even bring up these things, I'm not criticizing this region or leaders in this region. I'm really bringing up something that we that I've observed. So it's not an accusation; it's an observation. Mm -hmm. And it's this: you have as the you must move into a leadership mindset. Leaders don't think in terms of expecting other people to provide for them what you should have done for yourself. Right. That's not how leaders think. No. Leaders think in terms of I'm going to get what I need to get in order to better serve God's people. Amen. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. Uh, I'm going to try to obtain what I need to. I want to do just what the word of the Lord said well, in, when Paul told Timothy to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I want that. You're not going to live your life trying, I call it sponging off of other people's messages. Leftovers, mm. mm. well, <laughs> that's what it is. Leftovers, warmed up leftovers. Sponging off of somebody else's message. You know, trolling through Facebook, picking up little sermonettes and stuff that you could use. That, 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 that ain't how leaders think. You're not going to just troll through social media listening to other people's messages and grabbing a little piece of that, a little piece of this and that, and then coming off sounding like it's a revelation that God gave to you in your private time with the Lord when really all you did was scan Facebook and scan Twitter and found some messages. That's not how leaders are. No, uh, again, you are not getting your oil. What you're doing is you're trying to get a little piece of other people's oil to be to, in order to light your torch. And we can tell you now, not going to work. Not going to work. Or at least it, it's not sustainable. No, it's not at all. In fact, you really are, yeah, because you really haven't come into your once-in-a-lifetime moment. And that's the thing about it. You can go for so long picking up little bits and pieces from other people. 
and because the people that you are serving don't know that that's what's going on, but you haven't come into your crisis critical moment yet with you and your congregation. And when it comes, your people going to know. Yes. Your people going to know that you you ain't ready. You was not ready. You're not prepared for this because you're not prepared to take us as a people to our next level. Our moment came. Our moment came. Your moment came as our leader. Our moment came as a church family. And you were not able to take us through the process that we needed in that moment. In that moment, yeah. Because you haven't gone through the process yourself. Amen. Haven't gone through it yourself. My Lord. Can't give what you don't have. Give what you don't have. Absolutely. And just because you picked it up from somebody else doesn't mean you have ownership of it. All you're doing is regurgitating. Boy, what an image. Okay. <laughs> that's really all you're doing. You're just kind of echoing what somebody else said. But it's not a revelation that's in your life. It's not what's in your heart. It sounds good. Really sounds good. I pick up lots of messages about trolling through Facebook and picking up all kinds of stuff from T.D. Jakes, Joyce Myers, everybody. And come back and repeat it to everybody. Uh, but after a while... Uh, everybody's it's like this it's like feeding your people food that looks good but it is not nutrition it has nothing in it yeah it has nothing in it even though it can taste good but it's not nutritious why because it didn't come it, it wasn't yours it wasn't yours uh, I don't want to just serve other people's dishes because the thing is what I've learned even about this whole notion of picking up different things from different people across the country when when T.D. Jakes is speaking, he's speaking to the people that God has given them. Right. The meal that was prepared right. was the nutrition that was necessary for the people in Dallas. Yes. Right. For that congregation. For that congregation, that right. region of the country. Yeah. God knows what they're battling with, what right. they're dealing with. Same thing if when we listen to preachers from California, they're dealing with a certain regional opposition and principality, principality. Mm -hmm. so God is giving them the nourishment that they need to fight there yes. and so when we try to pick up stuff from all over the country you're picking up stuff that ain't, even though that's nutritious and it's good but that ain't what we need out here in the east and that may that might be perfect the perfect vitamin combination for Texas but out here on the east coast we need something to deal with the strongholds of suspicion and paranoia and division and strife. <laughs> I need some, I need the vitamins for that. And so when you hand me the wonderful things that Joel Osteen said in Texas, that's wonderful. Sounds great. But that ain't what we need right here, right now on the East Coast. On the East Coast, we need some of what I'm saying right now. Those of you who've been, who are, you're not ready for your once in a lifetime moment. Now, I know you don't like this vitamin D. You don't like this vitamin E that I'm giving you. But I'm telling you, those of, even though you don't like the medicine and you don't like the vitamins, it's going to be the thing that saves your life. It's yes. the prescription. It's the prescription that we need yes. in this part of the country. For what we are dealing with here, yeah. where there's so much uh, malnutrition there is. in oh the spirit, God. so much malnutrition, yeah. where ministries have literally built up over the years uh, without a new, without a uh, vitamin-rich, yeah. nourishing, balanced, balanced meal. meal, sustenance within the word. Yeah. 
and even where there's been milk, where the milk was sour. Come on, somebody talk to me right now. Or whether it was skim milk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Skim milk. <laughs> watered down. Powdered milk. Powdered milk. I heard someone, one, one comedian says, skim milk is water that wishes it was milk. <laughs> that ain't it either. And so we've been thinking, people have been thinking that they're even getting the milk of the word, and this ain't even milk. It's, it's, it's water that wishes it was milk. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the reason why and so what's in our heart is to make sure that we have ready responders ready responders to rescue people and the reason why we're ready responders is because we've allowed the Holy Spirit to make us ready and we've been obedient we actually go into the word we spend time with him and in his presence uh, we actually let him give us a fresh revelation. It may be the come you might you might even come to the exact same revelation as another pastor that you heard on television or heard across town. But the difference is, is that it will be mine. Yes. Yeah. It will be personal. It'll be my it story. It'll be Rama. It'll be Rama. Uh, that's why there are several people that all have the same testimony. Uh, it may be the same or similar testimony about abuse or recovery from drugs and alcohol, but when each one tells it, why is it why is it so different? Even though they all share the same thing, same type of deliverance, because it was their story, it's their oil, it's their journey. Wow! Bless the Lord. Come on, thank the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord. So the foolish versions had to go and, and buy, I should say, a and and buy what they should have already purchased way ahead of time. And we don't want to end up in that position that when the moment comes, now we're scrambling trying to go and get what we need. That's why I so appreciate what's happening now with us, uh, with this ready responder training, with the life coaching training. In fact, this past week, we met with some people uh, and we're going to be combining some of our efforts. But in that conversation, the Lord helped me and Carol to even get more crystal clear on what we're actually doing in this community. And that is, yes, we're offering the ability for people to become certified life coaches. But we realize out of this conversation is that the reason why God keeps telling us to emphasize the ready responder uh, training is because we don't want to certify life coaches who still not healthy. We've all seen that people that got degrees and certifications in their various fields and professions and expertise, but they are just as full of unresolved, unresolved issues, stuff in just their as life. hurt, yeah. just as full of pain yeah. as their uh, as their clients. As their clients, and so that's why there's hardly any compassion. You know, they working in human services. Just thinking about it, people who are working in human services who have no compassion for people, and a lot of times what they will say is is, well, wasn't nobody compassionate for me. No. Didn't nobody give me no break. Mm -hmm. Didn't nobody give me no second chance. Mm -hmm. So that's why they can have a client. They're pleading, which, please, please, please rethink it. I really do need to be on welfare. I really do need this check. I'm not trying to abuse the system. This is the first time I've ever applied. 
And so would you just, I, I'm really trying to make, would you please? And I'm like, no, because didn't nobody give me no chance. Right. And that is a person who is certified, mm-hmm. qualified mm-hmm. to be in that position. Mm-hmm. But because of the unresolved stuff in their own heart, yeah. yes. no compassion for somebody who really isn't trying to abuse the system. Right. That's, right. That's what we're talking about. So while, while we don't want to join in with that, we certify people to be life coaches, and they're walking people through the life coaching thing, our program that we have, and they're just trying to get through the lessons. Right. Can you imagine if we had been that way with, with you and, and others that we've gone through? Would you, can you imagine? What if we had done that? Well, I know, I, I see that you really got some other things that are on your heart to talk about today, but hey, we got to get finished with today's lesson. I know. Wow. <laughs> you know, we're on lesson six. Of our eight-step process, so we need to get through. So this. we need to get through this lesson, because oh, by the way, you know, you, this is seventy-five dollars an hour. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's how, do. that's how it's true. done. It is. And so, what we're trying to do is raise up ready responders, ready responders, healthy. How'd you put it? Healthy healers. Yeah. Healthy healers, so that even with your certification and qualification, whether it's as a life coach or as a pastor, as a home group leader, no matter where it is, that we're sensitive to the once-in-a-lifetime moments. It might be somebody else's once-in-a-lifetime moment. So God wants us ready. That we ain't so busy thinking about the check <laughs> and about the money or how much time I already done spent on this person or my own personal hurt or nobody never took the time with me that we don't recognize you're having a Jesus yes. is here yes. moment. Yes. That's why I love the way the Lord is having us to teach this. That even when we look at the story of the virgins, Amen. that we don't just lock it into the aspect of the kingdom when Jesus comes at the end, but we recognize the now moments of Jesus coming. He's here now. The moment is now. Thank you, Lord. Come on, bless him right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I never, I didn't understand that for a long time. And like many believers, I always thought in terms of our walk with the Lord as we're just holding on until Jesus comes at the end of it all. Because it didn't have anybody to explain that in the kingdom of God, there are always Jesus coming moments. There are always Kairos moments. There's always now moments where Jesus is here. So while we've been, every time things get bad in America and believers start singing soon and very soon, and I'm going away. I remember that I talked about that one time. We went through about a 10-year period. Well, all of our songs, especially in the black church, was about soon and very soon, I'm going away. I mean, everything was about getting out of here. Everything was about getting out of here. And, and to remind the people to occupy and do business. <laughs> Every song. Until we come. Y'all think about it. Just think about it, y'all. Think about the song through the late 70s and on into the 80s. Everything was, I'm going up yonder. Going up yonder. Soon and very soon. Just, we're getting out. <laughs> and that was not the perspective that the Lord wanted us to have. 
even with the parable of the foolish and the wise virgins. Mm -hmm. The parable was about be ready, yes. be prepared mm -hmm. for the moments that I'm coming, yes. as well as ultimately when I come. Yes. My Lord, doesn't it change everything? Yes. Changes everything. Like, okay, Lord, you're coming. Why? Because do you know that every time somebody gets saved for that person, that's their Jesus is coming moment. Yes. He's here because he, they, they ain't never known nothing about all of this stuff. Well, all the believers got their eyes in the sky. Lord, please come and take us out of here. We got other folks who are going through hell who are still waiting for their first encounter with Jesus. We all waiting on our second, his second coming. They're still waiting for their first. Yeah, that's right. wow. So he don't want us focused on the second coming. He wants us focused on other people having their first encounter with him. And he wants us prepared. Yeah. Wants us ready and prepared. My Lord. Come on, bless him. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Wow. On to where, where am I now? The contrary. Contrary to popular beliefs. Oh, I, oh, I, didn't, did. I didn't do leadership nuggets. So the leadership nugget of this is uh, make the investment now. Buy what you need now. Invest the time, money, energy now. <laughs> Don't expect others to give you what you lack when your once-in-a-lifetime moment arrives. My Lord extremely important that's a leadership nugget and i say yes, that because that's a leader that's what a leader does you make the investment i, I carol and i spoke at a event it's been a couple of years ago now people who were talking about coming into harrisburg and taking the city i got one pastor friend in the area he says he, he's so sick and tired of people talking about coming into harrisburg taking the city <laughs> and taking what you won't even live here <laughs> And scared to come you're in. You're scared to even drive into Harrisburg. You're talking about we're going to take the city. And you're scared to even drive into Harrisburg. Or even drive through. I ain't going to say drive in. You're scared to drive through Harrisburg while you marching around the, your church walls talking about we're going to take the city. I agree with him. That's why I said that. <laughs> but I, Carol and I talked in this event and I shared the, the parable that Jesus gave about the man who found a treasure in a field. And the Bible says that man went and sold everything he had, not to buy the treasure, it said to buy the field. Because if he had taken the treasure without buying the field, that's illegal. That's theft. That's theft. Here's the point. There are many that have come to this city and tried to steal the treasure. They're not willing to make the investment. They're not willing to sell all and buy the field, legally buy the field in order to take possession of the treasure. What am I getting at for us as leaders? Leaders think in terms of making the investment. Yes. That's a leader. We make the, we're going to buy the field. We're investing in Harrisburg. We're investing in its people. So when you, when you and I do what we have been doing, uh, for those that give and plant and sow financially into this ministry and those who are in the future going to be uh, uh, planting and sowing and, and enrolling in the future ready responder courses and enrolling in the life coach certification training, um, then you have to see that as part of making the investment. 
getting yourself ready for your once in a lifetime moment. Just like when somebody says, I want to be an accountant or I want to be a nurse or whatever, and they make the investment toward obtaining that, we have to think of the same way. Same, we have to think of it the same way with the calling of God. I must make the investment so that I am ready and prepared when the moment comes. Uh, I've run into just too many people, too many leaders, uh, that the moment we start talking about the investment aspects of ministry, then they're like, well, no. And my question is, is... What do you do? What do you think it's going to cost? What do you think you're going to accomplish if you're not going to if invest? If not willing to make the investment, people don't aren't going to invest in you. <laughs> and why should they? Yes. When everything has to be handed to you, right. everything has to be handed to you. You don't make any investments. Everything has to be handed to you. And everything has to be made ready for you. And the reason why I bring this up, I'm not just we're not just trying to just a harp on this, but we're challenging mm -hmm. this right. region's understanding yes. of what leadership is. Yes. Mm -hmm. Leaders must think in terms of investing and investing first, of giving and giving first, because that's what leader means. Mm -hmm. Leader doesn't mean boss. Leader means be the first one to do it. <laughs> so if you're going to establish a ministry, a church, or whatever, business, and you're not willing to invest in it first? How dare us expect other people to do it if you're not willing to invest? And it's just that as a leader, you must invest before even your ministry, quote, your ministry or your organization or whatever, before it begins, you actually start investing in it in your preparation days. That's why doctors don't have no problem telling you what their fee is or an attorney. Why? Because I've invested my life. So without any apology, the counselor, the therapist will say this will be $300 per hour. Why? Because I made an investment of my life to be able to do this, yes. to provide this service for yes. you. Yes. Again, I got, I'm got full of stories tonight. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the incidents were, but uh, uh, a gentleman was asked to come in to make some type of major repair to a piece of machinery in a business. He was an expert at it. I can't remember exactly what it was. But anyway, he made the repair, and then he sent a bill for something like uh, $10,000 for that repair. And so when they asked him, so what was it that you've repaired? And he, and he showed them one little tiny critical little part, one little part. The part itself was, was like $5 or something like that. And they, so they said, well, why should we pay you $10,000 when the part was only five bucks and it only took you a half hour to fix it, he said, he said, you're going to have to re-invoice us and do the invoice over again and send us another bill. So he broke it down. $5 for the part. And then he put $9,995 for the expertise to know what part needed to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Now, why could he do that? Why could he do that? Because he had made the investment. Yes. And when this once-in-a-lifetime moment hit, yes. he could say, here is yeah. it. Yes. He wasn't taking from them. No. He wasn't stealing from them. No. But too many people want to come and steal treasure yes. without any investment. Yes. Say, this is how much it's going to be if, if I come preach at your church. This is how much it's going to be if I... <laughs> Ain't invested nothing. Just out there throwing out prices and quotes. Yeah. That's a boss. That's it. A boss is not ne has not necessarily invested. Yeah. 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 What leaders they have, they've actually invested in their people. That's true. They've actually invested in their people. All right. Isn't this good tonight? Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Last one. I've said this statement earlier. I said, contrary to popular teachings and sayings, you can be too late. And miss your moment. And we all know it's true because there are moments that many of us have missed. Yes. And so I don't like perpetual, Carol and I, we don't like perpetuating popular statements that aren't true. <laughs> it, you, can, you can even fill up your business or your, or your ministry by saying things like, it's never too late. It's never too late. Oh, yes, it can be. Just ask, just ask every single soul that left this planet without right relationship with God. I wrote this song many years ago, and the name of it is, Ain't No Unbelievers in Hell. And when you stop and think about it, just think about what I just said. Ain't no unbelievers Jesus. in hell. Jesus. The unbelievers are here <laughs> on the earth, but there are no unbelievers in hell. <laughs> but they waited too late yes. to believe. That's too late. That's <laughs> because somebody told them, you never be too late. You can never wait too late. It's always a second chance. There was a second chance here in the earth. Mm -hmm. But you can wait till it's too late. So we refuse to perpetuate phrases and statements just because it sounds good. It's catchy. It's catchy. Yeah. And you can even make money off of it. You can tell, and, and I hate it when I see this level of manipulation, when you tell somebody who's 30 years old and still got a dream to play in, in the National Basketball Association, <laughs> and if you come to my basketball camp and pay this amount of money and all of this, and we'll get you a personal trainer, and you'll pay for this and pay for that, and we'll help you get to your dream fulfilled. See, now you're just manipulating. Yeah. Because a lie. Yeah. You can never be too late. Like, no, dude, you missed it. You lost your chance when you was 18, 19, 20, 21. 30 years old, now I'm going to make it to the NBA, ain't worked out in 10 years, ain't done nothing like, dude, you are done. The 15-year-olds playing in high school are faster and stronger okay. than you. <laughs> but that's what goes on, and that's why we've also tried to separate ourselves with this whole thing with life coaching, because there are people that are using these manipulative phrases and, and uh, catchy phrases and everything to get money out of people. They're using their people's people's desire mm -hmm. to try to recover mm -hmm. something that's lost. Yes. Right. And he won't tell them the truth. No, those days are gone. Thank you, Lord. No, those days are gone. You're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like wishing 
here I am, like a 58-year-old man wishing that I could be the same size and weight and everything that I was when I was 15. I don't think so. So come to our gym, sign up for our membership club program, and we're going to make sure that you look like you did when you was 21. So you play off of that lie that it's never too late. No, it's too late. And so let's be... Now, can I get healthy sure. at the weight that I am and yes. the size I am? Now, tell me the truth. You you ain't going to look like you're 21. But you will be a healthy 59, 60-year-old yes. man Amen. for your age. <laughs> Why am I talking like this? Because, That's the real. because as ready responders, God doesn't even want us to get into that that manipulative witchcraft mm, that is, is dominating the church. Yeah. Yes, it is. And we've got people holding on to things that even God then told them, to let, let it go. go. Yeah. That's not the direction that I'm taking you. That's not my dream for you. Remember when the Apostle Paul, uh, the other two places that he wanted to go, uh, uh, and he kept saying, I wanted to go here, and the Holy Spirit said no, and I wanted to go there, and forbade me to go. And then I had a dream of a man saying, come over here and help us. Right. See, we won't tell people, That's the people of God, this is the direction that God is taking you. And yes, sometimes God will say no, and God will forbid you. And then he'll say, this is the place that you're supposed to go. So we got to quit. We're not going to take up that same old pattern of coming out as life coaches and ready responders and, and pastors and leaders and pushing this message. You can be whatever is in your heart to be. You can be whatever you dream it. If you can perceive it, then you can receive it and you will attain it. Manipulation. It does not start off with our dream and our vision. And I can tell you as leaders and as ones who were called into this, that God don't always let you do what you want to do. <laughs> this was not my dream at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and it seems that when I read through the Bible, just about everybody in there was called into this, and this ain't what none of us had in mind. And if you like some of the wonder prophets of Jeremiah, I had already chosen you before you was even born. So you don't even have a say-so in nothing. I called you from the womb. My Lord. So that's why I said there's a lot of things that are popular to say, but they're not godly. And they're not in line with the ways of God. And I know that God wants us in touch with his ways. The Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God. The children of Israel knew God's acts. But it says, but Moses knew God's ways. And that's different. Knowing the acts of God, in other words, knowing the actions, is very different from having the understanding of why God does what he does. See, the children of Israel, that's why they was always fighting with Moses over stuff. Because they looking at, they saw the acts of God. They saw the things he did. 
but they hadn't had personal one-on-one -on -one conversation with God like Moses. So Moses understood why. Yeah. He knew God's ways. And we want to be that way. We want to be those that understand the ways of God. Thank you, Lord. So even when stuff, when he does acts that don't make sense, I'm preaching to myself right now. When he does things that don't make sense, I understand this is just your way. Thank you, Lord. Remember in our, even our relationship with one another, they're just, just, it's just well, we just know each other's ways, not just our actions as a husband and wife. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you know, that's just my husband's way. Yeah. That's just my wife. That's just his way. People be looking from the outside and go, why do you talk like that? Why do you that's it's just his way. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you smiling and thinking, what are you, what's everybody why tripping about? That's just his way. Right. Well, that's just her way. But other people getting all offended. Well, why he had to say it to you like that? <laughs> why are you looking at you like that? And you just going, well, hold up. Hold up. You transferring. You transferring. Right now. <laughs> He ain't him. He, my, yeah, my spouse, that ain't that ain't her. But this is just their way. You're looking at their actions, but I know their ways. And this is this is his or her. This is part of their ways. Nothing is about this is offending me. It's offending you because you're just looking at actions. And that's where many people are with God. They're looking at the acts of God, but they don't understand His ways. So you get offended with God. You get mad at God. Yeah. Well, why? How come you answered this prayer, but you didn't answer that prayer? Because this <laughs> prayer was God, and that, that prayer, prayer would have killed you if you didn't answer it. <laughs> yeah. That's why. So that's part of God's ways. And here's another one, one of God's ways. God will let us be mad at him. Well, yeah. And it don't even faze him. He will let us throw tantrums, pity party, be a baby, be a baby, be a baby not talk to him for two or three days. He'll just let us do all that. And then when we get finished, he's just still there. Yeah. Holy Spirit, just right there. Yeah. Loving. Waiting. I'm just waiting for you. Patient. I'm just waiting for you to finish. <laughs> Are you finished now? Because <laughs> I can't say nothing else to you. Until you, until you, you get finished. You, you deal with yourself. Baby. See, that's his ways. Part of his ways. Now the act, the action was silence. Yeah. And somebody not understanding the silence of God gets mad and thinks God has an attitude. Or that he left. Or that he's gone. He ain't gone. Right. But his ways is, I will sit here. And just wait. And wait. Jesus. Until you're ready. Until you are ready. Because I'm ready. I'm always ready. <laughs> but I will wait until you are ready. Don't you love the gentleness of the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord. Oh, the difference between the acts and the ways. So we wanted to just to share with this with you as part of the foundational beliefs uh, for being a ready responder. I don't know all of why I felt led to share that with you before finishing off what we're going to now finish off today. Now you can go back to page three uh, and look at that. Uh, well, where did we stop? We stopped at every every life is valuable and has a contribution and purpose on the earth. And then somehow we ended up into marriage and everything. <laughs> and I still don't know how. I even went back and listened to it and I still don't know how. 
<laughs> I went back and listened. And like, I still don't know how like how it switched into that, but it was good. I enjoyed that. But I want to at least finish off these statements so that next week we can get to start talking about preparing for cultural and core value differences. Uh, all right. True understanding of our potential comes through knowing that we are created with a gift or gifts from our creator God and that we have something to offer the world. So true understanding. You always hear about this thing about our potential. So to truly understand your potential, it really comes through knowing that God really gifted us. That's where the understanding of the potential. Unlike what is often taught today, uh, we don't put so much so much emphasis on the potential of man and our gifts that we crowd out the gift the giver of the gift. Right. right. That is the point. Then the next one, use the golden rule as your guiding principle. In other words, as we're working with and ministering to people, always remember this, to treat others the way you want to be treated. Jesus actually took it higher than that. You remember when we did the uh, the uh, lessons with Pastor Rick Godwin, and he talked about the titanium rule. He talked about the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. But then he said there, there's a titanium rule, which is love others the same way Christ loved us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he said because some, some of us don't treat ourselves very well. So if you treat me the way you treat yourself, I don't know if I want to be treated that way. <laughs> but you can always go to the titanium rule, yes. that is. Love others the same way Christ loved us, yes. which was totally unconditional. Yes. Total unconditional. Then the next one, if we allow Creator God to help us with new thinking, uh, new conversation, and new actions, we will fulfill our purpose and destiny. All of this. In fact, now I realize why the Lord has had us to go through this the last couple of weeks because everything that we shared now ties into these statements. Mm -hmm. Now these statements make more sense. Mm -hmm. Allow God to help us with this new thinking. Everything we remember as we went through and talked about marriage and relationships and the way men think and the way women think and all of that. Woo, so we really did walk into it, didn't we? This will help us with this new thinking, new conversation like what we've been having and new actions. We will fulfill our purpose and our destiny. Wow. Thank you, Lord God. You are so tight. I had no idea that all of that would lead to these statements really making more sense. If we make good new choices in life, we will reap a better outcome. So in other words, you can't keep doing the same old thing that we've always done and thinking we're going to get a different outcome. Right. So we're making new new choices. 